Good morning, afternoon, or evening to everyone. My name is Frank Place, and I am the Director of the Policies, Institutions, and Markets CGIR Research Program, or PIM as we call it. I am very pleased to welcome you to today's webinar on cash transfers and intimate partner violence, case studies from Ethiopia and Ghana. I have been very proud that PIM has helped to fund a large and diverse portfolio of gender research, including the important and challenging topic of intimate partner violence and its interactions with social protection programs. It is obviously not easy to, to find secure environments to talk about intimate partner violence with women or, or to be able to gain their trust to divulge these very personal issues. And I have to say, I really admire those who take on this challenge and do it well like the people here today. The research is highly valuable to the CGIR and beyond as we look to better understand what gender equality, women's empowerment, and gender transformative approaches really mean in their multiple dimensions. And as a reminder of considering all the consequences of some of our more mainstream interventions in the CGIR. Today, we will hear about an excellent research collaboration on this issue. Before I introduce our first speaker or our next speaker, uh, let me mention how our webinar will work. The question and answer period will be at the end of the program after all of the speakers and including some panelists. Throughout the presentations, I encourage you to type in your questions in the chat window on the right side of your screen. Please type in your name and organization along with your question. We will compile them and ask as many as we can before our one hour is up. Finally, we are recording the webinar and we'll make it available on the PIM website shortly after the event. Now let me introduce our first speaker today. She is Lori Heiss. She's a professor at Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. She has over 30 years of experience working in the areas of gender equity, social change, and women's economic and social empowerment. So over to you, Lori, to introduce the collaborative. <laughs> Great. So um, thank you. And I apologize. I uh, was unable to figure out how to connect my um, video today. So uh, sorry for the black box. Um, but uh, as Frank said, I've been working in the area of intimate partner violence for many years. And within the last few years, has become part of the Cash Transfers and IPV Research Collaborative. And this is a, a group of scholars from a number of different universities, uh, UNC, Johns Hopkins, IFPRI um, is uh, the coordinating organization, um, as well as uh, University in Buffalo. And so we're working together to try to strengthen the research base to understand how social protection programs, but specifically cash, affects in a positive or negative way um, levels of intimate partner violence. And the reason this program and this research agenda is so important is because um, much of what we have learned that works to prevent or reduce violence in relationships um, is really about smaller scale programs. So working uh, at a community level, working with couples through workshops of, of critical reflection and skills building, working with faith leaders, all of these things are incredibly important. And there's a growing body of research showing that they are effective, but they are not working yet at scale. And what we see with cash transfers is that there is a reduction in levels of IPV in most programs, 
Um, and there have such potential in terms of changing women's lives around violence simply because they touch so many women's lives. So today we're gonna to listen uh, in and hear from two researchers who are part of our collective. Um, and one is Meghna Ranganathan, who is an assistant professor at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. And she's going to be speaking to us um, about Ethiopia and some work she has been doing there. Um, and the second is, is uh, Claire Barrington, who's an associate professor at UNC Carolina, North Carolina, excuse me, Gilling School of Global Public Health. And she's going to be speaking to us about her work in Ghana. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Meghna, um, to take us forward into the, the studies. Thank you, Laurie. Um, hello, everyone, and thank you for listening. Um, on behalf of my team, I will be presenting our research that examines the addition of uh, complementary activities within the context of the Ethiopian government's public works program and pathways um, to intimate partner violence. Uh, next slide, please. I would like to first provide you with the motivation for why we undertook this work. So this slide shows you the high level results of what we learned from a mixed methods review that was published in 2018 with colleagues. And we had 22 studies that linked cash transfers to intimate partner violence. And a majority of the studies showed a decrease in one type of intimate partner violence. And two studies showed mixed findings, meaning that there were both increases and decreases within the same study, depending on the measure. And the impacts were really quite large, ranging from uh, 11 to 66%. And so taking these studies together, we found three pathways through which impact on uh, IPV occurs in these studies. The first pathway is a household level pathway where cash transfers led to increases in economic security, leading to greater emotional well being, which will in turn decrease IPV. The second pathway is the relationship level one, where intra household conflict is reduced by the availability of cash for daily requirements, which alleviates the stress of meeting daily needs, thus having an impact on IPV. And the third pathway operates through women's empowerment. So it's a woman-specific pathway, and we see that when cash or complementary programs are given to women, it can enhance their self-confidence and self-efficacy and increase financial autonomy, resulting in a shift in power or relationship power. And then based on how the partner reacts to the program or to her empowerment, so for example, if he's accepting, it could lead to reduced violence, but if he feels threatened, it could increase violence. Next slide, please. Um, and drawing on this work, and before I describe our IP, our intimate partner violence sub-study, I want to just provide you some information on the main public works and complementary program that situates our work. So for, for those that are not familiar, the PSNP-4 is the fourth iteration of a productive safety net government program in Ethiopia. And it has been running since 2005 and provides food um, or cash transfers targeted to poor households in exchange for seasonal labor and public works. It has more than 7 million beneficiaries and it's considered one of the largest social protection programs in sub-Saharan Africa. SPUR, which stands for Strengthen PSNP4 Institutions and Resilience and DFSA, which stands for Development Food Security Activity, was a five-year program funded by USAID that was from 2016 to 2021. And so the, in partnership with the government of Ethiopia, World Vision has been leading the implementation of SPUR 
and SPUR supports these complementary livelihood, nutrition, gender, and natural resource management activities to strengthen the PSNP4 program and multiply impacts. Next slide, please. So the main um, activities of SPUR and their enhancements are outlined here. There's livelihood and nutrition activities where women and men together are provided with knowledge and training over a wide range of topics, such as financial literacy through the Village Economics and Savings Association, vegetable gardening, and wash activities, thereby improving social capital and catalyzing women's empowerment. The L-Star Plus activities are meant to address gender norms and women's role in the household through um, activities such as social analysis and action to improve their access to markets or um, targeting poor women for poultry or livelihood transfers. And then there's the N-Star activities, which include community-based nutrition promotion or engaging men in the nutrition uh, behavioral change component and creating male engagement groups for men to critically reflect on gender norms. Next slide, please. So the SPUR impact evaluation, it measures the impact of the key activities of the SPUR program on livelihood, food security, and nutrition outcomes, as well as gender-related outcomes such as IPV, gender norms, and household decision-making. In the interest of time, I'm not going to go into the details of the design of the impact evaluation, but just to say that it was a cluster randomized trial that compared combinations of complementary activities by randomly assigning um, around 196 uh, villages or kabeles in Amhara and Aromia to one of four treatment arms. And the impact evaluation included three rounds of data collection, a baseline survey uh, in 2018, a midline survey from July to October 2019, and an endline survey uh, that just com was completed in March 2021. Next slide, please. So our IPV sub-study is within this impact evaluation and was to understand how the public works program and complementary activities affect IPV. We used a mixed methods design where we used the midline data from the impact evaluation and we, and we had a nested qualitative study to answer the following research questions. How does the public works program, that's PSNP, and the inclusion of complementary activities, which is SPUR, affect IPV? How do men respond to women's empowerment? And how does engaging men and women together in these complementary activities affect gender roles and gender equitable attitudes? Next slide, please. So our, our qualitative study was conducted, as I said, after um, the midline round to explore how these different uh, spur activities compare to the PSNP only and how the, the impacts on IPV. So we conducted about um, 58 in-depth interviews and about seven focus group discussions with men and women in the Amhara and Aromia regions. And we conducted it in collaboration with uh, a consultancy group in Addis Ababa Jarko Consulting. And there were seven researchers, men and women, who underwent 10 days of intensive training, particularly around the ethical process of collecting data on violence against women. And we used a thematic analysis and refined the themes in collaboration with our Ethiopian colleagues who collected the data. Next slide, please. So um, the sample that we used in the IPD sub-study were 2,604 households at Midline with a primary female who was married and less than 50 years old. And this was the sample from which we drew the qualitative subsample. And we then integrated the two data methods by triangulating qualitative and quantitative findings and interpreting and discussing them together. But as the primary focus of the, of the study was to understand the pathways through which public works and the complementary activities affect IPV, the quantitative outcomes that we chose for our analysis were based on qualitative evidence and pathways of impact for which we had the data 
or quantitative data to triangulate. So provided here is just for, uh, for you to see an outcomes table that maps out our quantitative outcomes to the relevant pathways and provides details on how these outcomes were measured. Next slide, please. So I will first begin by um, in our results by describing the pathways between PSNP only and IPV. Most of the evidence we saw was through pathway one, where the public works program moderately decreases IPV by relieving economic stress and by improving well-being, as, as seen in this quote. Before we participated in the PSNP, we had some disagreements, which as usual were happening when the living situation got worse. We had nothing to eat and the disagreements turned to violence and I beat her. But after participating in the program, it happens, but has reduced afterwards. It's not as it was previously. There's also evidence of pathway two, which is on intra-household conflict, where there were reductions, there were some evidence of reductions in arguments and an improvement in relationship quality. When there is no money in your household, this results in disagreements and quarrels in the families. And when the shortage of money is solved with the transfer, which was in this case PSNP, the existing problems and quarrels decrease because the issue is solved. However, um, the, the caveat is there were a few complaints around the opportunity cost of not being able to work on their own farms, which they felt had longer term benefits. And that was sort of a common complaint among some of the participants. And there is the issue of transgression of gender roles, where if women were working and they were not able to complete household chores, there, there were some examples of leading to household tensions. There was no evidence of PSNP uh, affecting the women's empowerment pathway. Next slide, please. Um, so, as a reminder, the quantitative impact evaluation was designed to assess the added impacts of SPUR and not the impacts of PSNP on IPV. So, we provide quantitative results and pathways only between SPUR and IPV. And um, I first present the, um, the, 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 there were no impacts on the full sample, but in the poor sample, the treatment arm two led to marginally significant decreases in physical violence and significant there were significant decreases in sexual violence. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, so in this slide, um, which is the qualitative slide, there, were, there, there was both some um, evidence of impacts on pathway one, where it, there were uh, base, the VASA savings group provided financial security and the livelihood transfers increased emotional well-being for the family as shown by this quote. I was thinking of assassinating myself because she did not stop asking for resources to fulfill the needs of the family. She requested me to give her something, but I can't. But after we started in the program, we're living happily without any problems. And quantitatively, we could support this because all treatment, three treatment arms led to increases in savings and accessing resources from VESA. And further, treatments arm two and three, in treatments arm two and three, there, were there was a decrease in men's financial worry, but there was no decrease in depressive symptoms. Next slide, please. For pathway two, we saw financial arguments were reduced by women gaining economic independence through the village, through the VESA uh, program, the livelihoods program, and gardening. So in this spur, decreases such problems because women start to earn her own earnings from the chickens she's rearing and is able to cover her own expenses and she's independent. And so there are no arguments when she asks for money. There was uh, no corresponding quantitative data collected that could support this uh, second pathway. And next slide, please. And so pathway three is a bit more complicated as we have to consider both women's empowerment as well as men's reaction to women's empowerment. And over here, there was evidence of women reporting an increase in self-confidence due to VESA and vegetable gardens and an increase in, a, in participation in community activities as shown by this quote. 
um, before spur, when my neighbors would ask me to go to a funeral with them and share some of the cost of the food, I couldn't afford to contribute the money, so I just wouldn't go with them. But now I can afford to do that. And the nutrition trainings increased. Um, there was also evidence that it increased husbands' respect for them and their financial decision-making power. Power. So even though he never accepts what I tell him, when I tell him what food is good for the children, he has started to realize what I tell him is true. And so when I go to the market, he would give me the money and would be like, if you're using it to cook those foods, I will give you more. And this pathway was quantitatively supported with large increases in women's financial decision-making across all three arms, but there was no impacts on self-efficacy. Next slide, please. Um, this pathway is also dependent on the man's reaction, as I mentioned earlier, and these are shaped by how men perceive the program and the impact on household dynamics. So the reaction is not the same among all men. So this was explained well by a participant in a focus group discussion in the Aromia region among men, where the reactions actually between them varied. So when, when they were asked about women's gain in power and confidence, one said, men would feel happy because when someone who you know before becomes above you and gains confidence, it makes you happy. When she saves money, she's competing with you, and this is important that you accept it. However, another participant revealed that men still want to retain control and not want to lose their power if they accepted women being empowered. Some people did not think like he said, before he commands her like a slave. When she learned this education, he thinks that he missed this power. He thinks that he did not have someone, so a wife who supports him. And quantitative results show that despite increases in financial decision-making among women by the livelihood intervention, there was a marginal increase, uh, increase in husbands' controlling behaviors in a subsample that was eligible for the livelihood transfer. Next slide, please. And um, our, slides act our results did reveal a new fourth pathway around engaging men. So there appears to be evidence that engaging men has resulted in more equitable sharing of household tasks. For example, this quote from a man in the nutrition arm, nutrition star arm, when asked about the changes to their relationship after the training, he says, mutual respect and tolerance are all the changes we get from the training. It totally changed wrong things in my, in my mind to write. It improved our relationships. What I benefited from the safety net is small when compared to this. And quantitatively, we saw large increases in men's participation in household chores and spur improved men's uh, gender equitable attitudes, but not women's. Next slide, please. So in summary, the overall, the evidence of spur impacts on IPV is limited, as you saw, but there's support for all the three pathways from the review that I had mentioned and a fourth pathway related to engaging men. And there is evidence that uh, the uh, public works only program and sport program support pathways one and two. But important to note that there was some mixed feedback about uh, PSNP only, where but participants were extremely grateful for resources, but the time commitment required and not being paid sufficiently did emerge in a few transcripts. Women's empowerment pathway or the pathway three was more complex, as 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 I mentioned, it, it depends on men's reactions, and those were mixed. However, spur improved gender roles and men's gender equitable attitudes, which is evidenced by the men who are happy to participate in the NSTAR trainings with reports of improvement in household task sharing and strong quantitative impacts to back this up. And in terms of other considerations, I didn't actually present this here, but one, we do need to be uh, aware of the potential for unintended consequences. Although quite rare, we had some examples in the qualitative data of uh, increasing tensions with partners. 
this pertains particularly to the, uh, the PSNP only though, and we need to be cognizant around social desirability, particularly in male, male responses, um, as, they, as the participants were still active in the program. So we need to bear that in mind when interpreting findings alongside recall bias when we were asking participants to recall events prior to the pro participating in the program. But finally, the evidence is promising around the importance of combining these complementary uh, gender transformative activities alongside economic strengthening programs. And these are complex programs and they require time and the process of change takes time, especially related to gender attitudes and norms. Um, but I think for sustainability of impacts, uh, there's definitely a lot of potential with this program. Um, I just uh, also, next slide, I just want to quickly acknowledge the number of partnerships here between the implementers and the researchers. And just next slide, uh, my final slide is to offer thanks to everyone who collaborated in this research and the women and men who participated. Um, thank you to the team. I'll just turn it over to Claire. Thank you so much and good morning, everyone. It's really wonderful to be here and to have the opportunity to talk about these two studies together. I'll dive right in. Um, I will be presenting from a qualitative study that's also part of a larger mixed methods program of research, looking at pathways of impact from the LEAP 1000 cash transfer program um, and how it affects intimate partners violence in Ghana. And I want to acknowledge several partners who are part of this work, um, the Navrango Health Research Center, the University of North Carolina, the University at Buffalo, UNICEF Ghana, and then broadly also we're affiliated with the Transfer Project. Next slide, please. This is our research team crossing different countries and parts of the U.S. Um, next slide. So a little bit of background on the Ghana LEAP program to provide context to our findings. LEAP stands for Livelihood Empowerment Against Poverty Program. It's a national program administered by the Ministry of Gender, Children, and Social Protection. It is active in all 260 districts in Ghana and reaches over 350,000 households at the current time. Selection is based on demographic eligibility and a proxy means test and bi-monthly cash payments are provided ranging from the equivalent in Ghana CDs of 10 US dollars to 18 US dollars. It is an unconditional program, um, which means that the cash is provided without any uh, other requirements or expectations. Um, in terms of the demographic eligibility, a pilot study of pilot program called LEAP 1000 was initiated several years ago, focusing on pregnant women and women with young children in the first 1000 days of life, looking to really offset negative impacts of malnutrition and other negative consequences of poverty in the early development phase of children. And I will be focusing on data from the impact evaluation that our team collaborated on of specifically that LEAP 1000 program. So in the context of that impact evaluation, quantitative assessment of IPV was included with some encouraging findings regarding significant reductions in the frequency of 12-month emotional, physical, and any IPV, and then modest reductions in any experience of 12-month IPV, but only among women in non-polygamous households. So these findings raised encouragement and suggested that positive impact was happening. Um, and the quantitative data allowed for developing some hypotheses, pulling from the same uh, framework 
that Meghna was just presenting um, around the economic security and emotional well-being pathways and the women's empowerment pathways, um, but couldn't definitively confirm. Next slide, please. So the purpose of this study was to improve our understanding of how participation in LEAP um, affected household dynamics and intimate partner violence among beneficiaries in rural Ghana, really following up and picking up on those quantitative findings. Next slide. Our three main research questions that I'll address today are what are the pathways through which LEAP 1000 reduces IPV, again, pulling from the framework, what is the contribution of the health insurance premium fee waiver to IPV reduction? This is a complementary component of the LEAP program that all LEAP beneficiaries are provided with a health insurance premium waiver. And then lastly, we also spoke with men in this study. And so we asked how do men view and respond to the receipt of LEAP by their wives and other women in their communities? Next slide, please. Briefly, um, we conducted this study in two districts in northern Ghana, Ghana Garutempane in Yende. We interviewed using an in-depth interview 30 women who were either current or past beneficiaries of LEAP 1000, and all of the women that we interviewed had reported a decline in physical IPV in the quantitative survey component of the impact evaluation I just mentioned. The reason for this purpose of sampling was that we wanted to speak to women who had experienced this impact so that we could understand and hear from them in their words what happened and what were the pathways um, that they were seeing. And then we also conducted four focus groups with 35 men who were all male partners of LEAP 1000 beneficiaries, um, but none of the partners of the women that we interviewed. Next slide, please. So we found, just to give some context, when we spoke with participants, both in the individual interviews and in the focus groups, the main drivers of IPV that came out most salient were poverty and also gender role strain, or the fact that men were expected to be the main providers of households in this context, but that the context in which they lived did not allow them to meet that role, which created stress and tension. This quote is an example of this interaction of poverty and gender strain, poverty can break a home, if the man could afford to do all of his responsibilities, there would not be any fight between him and his wife. Next slide, please. In terms of LEAP and IPV, we saw that our findings mapped onto the pathways um, from the framework mentioned earlier, in that LEAP was viewed as reducing IPV by principally by reducing poverty and stress related to poverty. Um, LEAP was also attributed as reducing the household conflict, especially due to women feeling less need to ask men for money, which was identified as one of the main triggers of violence in this setting. So this participant said, at first it was hard for him to get money to buy children's sandals, it was such a pity, but now I can just take the money to buy those sandals so that the child will not walk barefoot. It has covered his shame and we are happy. So you can really see there that this theme around the stress that men felt around their inability to provide and how salient it was to women that they were able to address those economic needs in the household. Next slide, please. In terms of LEAP um, and IPV in the empowerment pathway, we found many examples of empowerment in the financial sphere. So women described that they were now able to borrow money, 
Um, they were able to make small investments and start small businesses. They were more socially engaged in their communities. They participated beyond their household setting um, and had more engagement. And at the individual level, we saw really compelling uh, statements about how impact, how LEAP had impacted them. Um, for example, I feel like a human being now and the luckiest one as well. I'm confident because the money helps me to never be disgraced. And I'm counted as an important person in this community. Community. What we didn't see was women connecting, in many examples, this empowerment directly to IPV reduction. So we really saw women speaking about empowerment more uh, in the context of themselves. Next slide, please. While we saw these individual pathways, I also want to point out that we saw interesting interplay and interaction between the different pathways, and women spoke in a very integrated manner, showing us that potentially these processes of economic security, household conflict, and empowerment are all sort of occurring simultaneously and interacting with each other to achieve the reduced impact on IPV. And this quote's a nice example of that. So this participant said, I use the money to farm, take care of the children, school needs, and quarrels with my husband have reduced. I buy food ingredients with the money. The LEAP money has been helpful to me and my household. My relationship with him has improved because now he knows I am also somebody and I don't rely on him totally for my needs and my children's needs. He now respects me and we don't quarrel as often. It was because of poverty that we used to quarrel. So again, we can really see there this integration of empowerment, economic security, and reduced conflict um, being attributed with the reduced IPV. Next slide, please. I want to mention we also explored sort of a fourth pathway and it was related to um, the fact that all participants, as I mentioned, uh, had the benefit of a waiver of the health insurance premium. And we found that all the participants, all 30 women that we interviewed, had enrolled in the National Health Insurance Scheme. They discussed that they had improved access to health care for, for themselves and for their children. But we didn't see any clear links articulated between this increased healthcare access and healthcare seeking um, and any support for IPV. And the two factors that we identified that might be inhibiting this impact were limited IPV screening uh, and care and support services and barriers to disclosure, which is connected to um, cultural expectations and fear that women expressed about the consequences should they disclose. So this woman said, I was keeping it secret when she was asked. Um, if she discussed violence when she sought care at the hospital. I was keeping it secret. Why would I tell them at the hospital? When I married my husband, I told him not to scold me in public when I'm at fault, but to wait till we're in the bedroom. I didn't want people to know what was happening between my husband and I. Next slide, please. I want to share, lastly, some preliminary findings from the men that we interviewed in the focus groups. Um, men also echoed that they felt uh, that LEAP had contributed to reducing IPV. They emphasized very strongly the stress that they feel to meet their provider role and the relief uh, that they felt in the context of LEAP being part of their household. Um, there were mixed findings in terms of men's involvement with LEAP funds, but the most predominant narrative was that men understood that women received the money um, and that they could make decisions together, um, but that women were really using the funds for issues related to the well-being of the household and the children. Uh, there was no discussion in the focus groups um, of increased violence due to LEAP. 
um, again, this could have been also affected by social desirability, but it, it was noteworthy that no men discussed it creating more problems. Here's one example of how a men man talked about um, the program. With the help we're getting from the government, domestic fights have reduced because the little we get helps us to solve basic problems and that keeps the family going. Next slide, please. So to summarize, we found um, that our qualitative findings really echo the reductions that we see in the quantitative data, um, and that these pathways of poverty reduction and conflict reduction seem to be the main drivers. We found that women controlling resources, so being the primary recipient of the LEAP funds was empowering in many different ways, but it's not really clear if it's truly gender transformative. So it's we didn't see evidence of really changing and shifting roles and norms in the household context. Barriers to disclosure and limited screening um, impacted sort of the potential contribution of the complementary component, the health insurance, to enhancing um, the impact of LEAP on IPV reduction. So for future research, uh, we, we think it's important to really continue interrogating the interplay between these different pathways so that we can understand sort of what leads to what and how these different factors and pathways play together. Um, we're also interested in the role of household structure. We were not able in our qualitative data to make more explanation of why in the quantitative data some of the findings were found to only be reduced among monogamous households compared to polygamous households. Um, and we also think it would be important to do more research on how cash is impacting um, separation and divorce and women's ability to leave relationships as needed. We're very excited um, for this work to move into a next phase uh, as LEAP is adding a more comprehensive complementary component called the Integrated Social Services. And we will just be embarking on a mixed methods impact evaluation uh, where we'll be including some in-depth study of how adding a more comprehensive package of complementary services and referrals may enhance the impact of LEAP on IPV. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, uh, Magna and Claire. Um, good morning and good afternoon, everyone. I'm Melissa Hidrobo, and I will be moderate, moderating today's discussion. Um, first, I would like to remind everyone to submit their questions in the question box in the controls panel. <clears throat> and so now I would like to introduce you to our two panel members. Um, the first panel member is Ms. Tade Amare, who has over 12 years of experience in value chain, gender, youth, and social inclusion, and advocacy programming in Ethiopia, specializing in food security. And currently, she is leading the gender, youth, and social inclusion component of SPEAR 2 um, from the SPEAR Consortium. And after, first, I, we're going to invite Tade to provide comments, and then after, um, we, I will invite Christiana Badema, who has worked with UNICEF Ghana in the past eight years. And prior to joining UNICEF, she worked with ODI, Gender and Social Protection Research Program, as a national coordinator. She has contributed to various research pieces, including the publications on gender risk, poverty, and vulnerability in Ghana. So. I will invite both panelist members who are here to discuss how the findings of the presentations from Megna and Claire, the findings from the Ghana and the, and the Ethiopia case studies. So how have they affected the current and future programming of either SPEAR or LEAP on the ground um, and how 
their programs take into consideration gender-based violence in its operations. So over to you, Tade. Thank you very much. Thank you so much uh, for the introduction, Melissa. Um, if you can go to the next slide. Yeah, I, I, I want to skip through this slide because they have already touched through this, so uh, we know the findings. So let me start with the implication. Next slide, please. So what are the implications of, you know, this findings for SPEAR in terms of our uh, implementation? I think the findings from this study are quite relevant and will inform our work in implementation modalities in, in SPEAR 2. Um, the first thing for us is um, knowing that, uh, knowing what we are out there to change is crucial. So awareness raising on the various forms of IPV and their consequences is really important as they contribute to the reduction of IPV and increased gains in marital capital. Uh, in our monitoring assessments, like for example, emotional IPV is generally a more uh, normalized and justified form of IPV, and there are couples reporting only identifying emotional IPV as a form of violence through such trainings. Uh, and a lot of women in our community told that uh, as a woman, their husband had to give them orders, but they found out uh, that it was not right and now uh, and that it has to change. So we definitely have to understand the various forms of IPV, both uh, and create uh, awareness among practitioners, government stakeholders, implementers, and researchers. The other one is uh, strengthening couples intervention. I don't want us to uh, undermine the power of couples intervention and several male and female uh, partners of couples in our programming reported the value of learning about the consequences of, you know, using abusive, uh, harsh language and the importance of uh, rather using constructive and communicative dialogue and cultivating gender equitable attitudes and roles. So the VESA main engagement or the male engagement groups are great platforms to teach uh, the couples uh, such uh, curriculums. Um, the third one is, uh, I believe ending IPV uh, calls for advocacy of gender equitable social norms are policy label on national uh, platforms, uh, through community outreach uh, events, and also promoting role model and main uh, role model men and uh, women. As we can generally understand from the presentations, from both presentations, uh, we have seen uh, part of this intervention showed some level of gender equitable behaviors. Yet to give you a better picture, we looked into the differential effects of gender transformative interventions on GBB through our internal outcome mapping uh, analysis. Uh, and one of it is the male engagement. Spouses of this main mentioned that husband's insulting and beating uh, has, uh, has been you know, decreasing. However, uh, consistent to this, uh, with this research, uh, they also said that there are still men who have not yet, who have not changed in the community. And one of uh, the VESA member in Amhara region uh, said, uh, I have seen uh, most of uh, women, their husband's behavior is positively changing, and I wish uh, my husband had joined this male engagement uh, group because he still, you know, beats me, he still he threatens me. So there is a need for a, a wider 
level of uh, intervention uh, engaging the community in the broader group. Next slide, please. So, yeah, the study also, I mean, the presentations also indicated that, you know, economic empowerment alone does not lead to the reduction of IPB. Knowing that the beneficial impacts of relationship uh, dynamics that were uh, found immediately after the, during the midline of, uh, after the transfer uh, were not sustained. And this tells us that economic empowerment alone does not lead to, you know, improvement in uh, any forms of, you know, IPB, but it may bring about momentary change in decreasing power-related uh, stress, poverty-related stress arguments, or increase emotional well-being. But for me, um, I, I question that if this is a gender transformative, uh, if it, this is gender transformative impact, um, you know, just supporting women with just economic uh, incentives or uh, with interventions might increase in IPB as it was seen in the poultry households if it's, if it's not coupled with social and gender transformative activities. Um, the other one is, uh, this is also very important, we've seen very limited uh, in improvement in female's agency or uh, self-efficacy and bu building women's agency is equally important as investing on men's gender equitable behaviors for householding community gender transformation. So supporting them with, um, equipping them with life skills, communication problem solving skills and promoting women's rights to promote respectful relationships uh, uh, and promote life free from violence. And I, I, I personally say underneath every technical challenge, there is a behavior or gender norm issue. But I want to highlight here a key difference between behavior change and social or gender norm interventions. Not necessarily all behavioral change programs lead to social uh, or gender norm transformation. And uh, positive behavior change shifts might revert after programming ends or after you know those supports uh, stop uh, when they stop, as we have seen uh, with that with the transfers. And the other important thing to consider is ensure programs uh, uh, to follow that do no harm approach to avoid the unintended consequences of such as women economics uh, support, supporting one side of the family without creating an understanding on households, mutual benefit or provisions without equipping them on the how part or social empowerment. For example, the VESA women who are aware of their rights but do not know how to exercise, how to, uh, do not know how to exercise that might end up you know, entering into conflict with their spouses. Uh, and last but not least, it's very important to implement gender transformative activities uh, as early as possible uh, uh, in the program, uh, and to bring to bring you know some outcomes might need more time to change. So especially behavioral, attitudinal change interventions, they need more uh, more time. So we started, I mean, working on you know, gender interventions after the midline, so the, the results are uh, expected. So, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Tade. Um, I would like to now invite Christiana Bedema to give her comments on the Ghana study. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa, for the introduction and um, greetings from Accra. And thanks also for the opportunity to share some reflections on this very important subject. 
and to also discuss some of the work that we are doing in Ghana. Building on what has been shared by Claire in terms of the summary and implications uh, for the study, I want to say that yes, IPV has gone down with leap, but it's important to note that um, IPV reduction is not one of the original objectives of the LEAP program. So when the LEAP program was set up, it was not set up to reduce IPV. So what we are talking about today, or the impacts that we are seeing today, is one of the positive unintended impacts of the LEAP program. So what does this tell us? And I want to say this upfront, um, that we can achieve better and more gender outcomes if we take deliberate steps to integrate gender into social protection programming. So moving on, um, we all know that as been uh, mentioned by the earlier presenters, um, cash transfer is not a magic bullet. It cannot and does not solve all the problems that we see in our societies in terms of gender inequality or gender relations. And so we need to be very strategic in terms of the programs or the array or range of services that range accompany with cash transfer programs. So here I'm talking about cash class programming or complementary services. And so this is common knowledge among us that cash transfer alone can also solve all the problems, all the vulnerability issues the households face. It is very important that we are very strategic about this and we identify contest relevant programs that need to accompany cash transfers. I want to narrow down and look at the implications that uh, the study has for us. One of the key steps that UNICEF Ghana has taken um, in the last few years, uh, which Claire also mentioned, is the Integrated Social Services Initiative. So the Integrated Social Services Initiative is a program that was started by UNICEF Ghana, and the objective of the program is to crowd in services to live households. So apart from the cash transfer, there is a deliberate effort to ensure that other services reach the lead households as we do health, child protection, and social protection services. And especially also the referral services that has to do with victims that experience gender-based violence. So they are supported to access some of these services that are available at the district level. And going forward, it's very important that psychosocial services are integrated into this initiative that we are embarking on. Um, to add also, I would like to mention that uh, UNICEF Ghana has commissioned an assessment on vulnerability and exclusion in, collab in collaboration with the Ministry of Gender, Children and Social Protection. The assessment detected generate information on the primary drivers of vulnerability and exclusion in Ghana. One of the dimensions it is looking at is gender dimensions. And so I would say that it's very important for us that the study is taking place and it's very timely because um, the reports that will come out from this very important assessment will help us identify what the gaps are in terms of gender relations and inequality, the primary drivers, and also how to develop effective programmatic and policy initiatives uh, to be able to address some of the issues or some of the concerns that will come out from this study. Um, going on, I'd like to say that there are some low-hanging fruits uh, that we can leverage on as a country, uh, especially for the LEAP program. And one of the things is that um, whenever there is uh, cash out days, beneficiaries and community members have a point where they converge to receive their cash transfers. And so there is this opportunity to interact 
and also have a discussion with beneficiaries on gender equality, on gender relations, on gender norms in the society. Because the space is already created, we can utilize this for some of this uh, information sharing among beneficiaries and community members. Also, I'd like to mention the fact that one of the low-hanging fruits that we have is that um, UNICEF has embarked on a partnership with um, CSO organizations. So currently, we have over 230 CSO organizations that we work with around social accountability for social protection. And we have not actually utilized that space uh, in terms of gender and social protection. And so this space is also available for us to utilize, making sure that uh, we build some capacity uh, with our CSO partners and also making sure that we leverage on the gains we have made in this area to advocate for gender mainstream and social protection. Um, to bring my uh, submission to an end, I would like to say that um, one key thing that is very important as we you know, go forward is that um, this has also been mentioned by the earlier presenters. Um, since cash alone cannot solve all the problems or the vulnerabilities that we see in our households, it is very important that we are very deliberate when we design our programs because if we are already seeing some positive unintended impacts uh, on gender outcomes, it's very important that we become very deliberate because when we are deliberate and very intentional about how we design our program, about how we deliver it and how we monitor it, we'll be able to see bigger and better outcomes for gender relations. Thank you for the attention. Thank you very much, Christiana. Um, I think both of your comments were, were very informative. Um, as a quick reminder, we are a little behind schedule, so we don't have too much time for questions and answers, but we do have 10 minutes. Um, so please, if you do have a question, please do, um, feel free and post it in the question box. Um, I wanted to actually highlight something that I found very interesting in all the presentations today. Um, one thing that has come out in a lot of studies, qualitative studies especially, both in today's presentations and also in other qualitative studies on cash transfers and intimate partner violence, is that the, the cash transfers um, are really relieving stress, um, poverty-related stress in the household. And poverty-related stress is a trigger for, for argument. And so time and time again, we see sort of the cash transfers is relieving this trigger. Um, it's reducing poverty-related stress. It's reducing arguments that are due to women maybe having to ask for money for food and men not being able to provide it. Um, and it's a theme that I think is important to highlight because it's a theme that I think resonates across all contexts and program designs. Um, what I think is much less straightforward, and I think it was also th that the fact that it was less straightforward is highlighted in today's presentation, is how cash transfers may or may not um, empower women. And I think um, the part of the issue is that empowerment is such a large concept. It's very hard to define. Um, in general, researchers might be defining it different ways. But I also think um, it speaks to some of the design issues that 
um, both Tezne and Christiana sort of were mentioning. Um, and so depending on how programs are designed, um, if they're designed with or without the intention to empower women um, may be important. And so I guess coming back to um, a, a couple of questions on this, is I'm wondering whether sort of in Ghana, so I have this question is going to be um, for Claire. Um, in Ghana, for example, the cash transfer was targeted to women. Um, and a lot of the quotes show that it did seem like women were were empowered. And so is the, how much um, do you think it was due to the design feature of targeting women? Um, if it hadn't been targeted to women, would we have not seen sort of the same impacts on women's empowerment? Um, and then I guess related to uh, Megna's presentation in Ethiopia, the program was it is very much different. The um, Ethiopia PSMP program is a public works program. Um, so it is um, work that's provided that both men and women provide in order to get the transfer um, is the main component of PSMP4. Um, but even within Spear, there was a livelihood transfer, and that livelihood transfer was targeted to women, but Spear had a lot of other complementary activities. And so to Megna, the question is related, um, how much of the empowerment that we see is because the transfers, the livelihood transfer may have been targeted to women or how much was sort of the other complementary activities. And I think it's just a general uh, thought or reflection from you guys as to what it means to sort of the, the ambiguous results around cash transfers and empowerment. Thank you. Great question. And I think just briefly in the Ghana study, I think it was extremely important and the way women spoke was directly connected to the control that they had over those resources. So feeling more confident, feeling less stress, feeling the ability to do things and make decisions was, was extremely important in terms of how it impacted them. There's a huge contextual factor that's really important here as well in Ghana and in the setting where we were doing this work, women were already expected to make some contribution to the household livelihood. So in particular, ingredients and the supplementary sort of beyond the maize, which is the main staple, women are expected to provide and contribute to making sure that um, vegetables and other food is available. And so I think it was not, it didn't appear to uh, neg you know, trigger or rupture any established gender roles and norms, but rather just enhanced women's ability to make even more of a, a contribution and to relieve men of that stress. What I think we don't feel that we can sort of interpret from these findings is that if you took the cash away, that there's any fundamental change in the roles and expectations and the dynamics connected to the tensions that might come up when you brought sort of the extreme economic stress that people were speaking about having been alleviated. So it, it does seem that um, in, if in a particular context, it's acceptable for 
women to be controlling the resources and making those decisions, um, it does have this empowering impact. How though to transcend that and really take it to another level is I think what we feel we need to keep looking at and examining. Um, thanks, Melissa, for the question. Um, and you know the project as as uh, deeply and well as we all do. So I'm I'm going to. I mean, I think it's a it's a complicated. I mean, it's complex because I think, as you said, there's an aspect of the livelihood transfers that's targeted to women, and we did see qualitatively as well as quantitatively that it increased. They both increased their confidence it uh, improved their financial decision making so there were definitely elements of an individual level empowerment that did take place because of the transfers being targeted to them however if we were to really want to sort of move that to actually reducing ipv i think one does have to consider how in this particular in the uh, spur program that men, the engagement of men is a really critical element that I think needs to be sort of uh, followed up further if it's possible, because it's the men's reactions that were mixed to women's empowerment. And if in some ways she may feel as confident and as able to continue with whatever she's able to do but at the same time if she's within a con um, you know con if she's got the constraint of uh, norms that are sort of preventing her and men not really accepting that empowerment it's not going to change or reduce um, IPV and we did see that the that there were no impacts in the full sample for us in this particular study so it's really interesting that there are aspects of pathways that were uh, very positive for changes but at the same time i think a critical element of a program like this is um i think the engagement of men and really getting their buy-in together uh, to try and um, address um, address that pathway so it, to answer your question i think women's empowerment at an individual level is possible but whether or not the dynamic itself can reduce ipv is something that i think it requires the male engagement that this program did have and it would be great to follow it up further yeah no thank you both i think um you both mentioned and also there was a, it was a comment from a participant that it seems like um Though sort of shame for not being able to provide it is reduced, what hasn't really changed is the norm of whether or not, especially in Ghana, is the norm of whether or not it's still okay for a husband um, to to beat his wife. And I think the in Ethiopia, the spear and the male engagement are a little more targeted to to changing the norms um, than what might have been in the programming in in Ghana. So thank you both. Um, I'll move on to a very specific question. I think this one is for Christiana about Ghana and so, or, or Claire, Christiana or Claire, they were asking about the new phase of the Ghana LEAP integrating social services and whether these are um, specifically, how it's specifically targeted to intimate partner violence or gender-based violence, I guess. More specifics on the new integration of it. I'll let Christiana speak to, thanks. Yes, I'll start. Yes. So, um, the integrated social services program 